Welcome to Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Grown Up Kids. This episode is sponsored by Eliana Glickman. Thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. We couldn't do it without you and all our other patrons. Thank you, Eliana. So I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. And a little bit of an apology for our sound again. Our microphone is still broken, but we're working on it. But we're joined by two new guests today. Welcome to the show, Brett and Nick. Hey, hey. It's exciting to have um, two strictly grown-up kids listeners. Also strictly, like, don't know them yeah. until, like, you know, until, 15 like, minutes ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's nice to meet you guys and talk to you. Um, I'm Pleasure. excited to have you on the show, and I know that both of you guys are on again a couple times, so that's exciting. Um, so don't mess this up. I mean, we can kick you yeah. off anytime. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure's not fun. <laughs> Um, so, since you're both new to our show, we're going to get your Disney profile. Um, so, how did... Okay, so just so that there's not this awkward silence, I'll have <laughs> Brett answer first, and then Nick will answer, if that's okay. So, how Sounds did good. you each get into Disney? Yeah, so uh, I grew up watching all the Disney films, mainly that's what my parents would put on in front of me and my brother, and we kind of fell in love with it there. Um, I grew up watching Jungle Book just like over and over and over, but I'd skip the scary part with the tiger and the fire. <laughs> um, but now I enjoy that part too. Um, and it was always a big deal for my family to go to Disneyland. We'd go about once a year because um, we grew up in Santa Cruz, which is Bay Area of California. So it'd be you know, a six hour drive down to Disneyland. And then we'd have a really intense weekend where we'd get off school on Friday drive down Friday night, do downtown Disney Friday night, then all day Saturday, all day Sunday from opening to close, and then do a half day Monday and then drive home and be at school on Tuesday. So <laughs> that was pretty intense. And so then I went to college down in LA and now I'm an annual pass holder because I got a job so I can support that. <laughs> um, and now I enjoy going to Disneyland a lot with my girlfriend and we do like kind of the, you know, like, more casual stuff like pin trading and we go to swinging mm -hmm. Saturdays, go to the Dapper Days, we eat all the different foods as they come out. Like the recent one was the Dole Whip Donut. That was awesome. Yes. Disneyland um, has the best food. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. And so that's, that's kind of where we're at where we just collect a bunch of stuff and go to Disneyland and really enjoy it. I live in my dream. <laughs> <laughs> I love Disneyland. We got to go back. All right. Well, for me, um, just like Brett, I think or every every one of your guests here, uh, just we I ended up growing up with it, watching the VHS tapes, and my mom would sit me down right next to my older brother and watch, you know, from Beauty and the Beast, Bambi, Peter Pan, like over and over and over again. We had the whole collection. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom got raised, you know, she was raised with you know watching the Disney movies, so she just did that, you know, you know, for us. And my dad just it would keep us quiet <laughs> so, he, so he would turn it on for us so yeah um go ahead it instills morals too it's okay you know yeah <laughs> good lessons to learn right <laughs> the only thing different is that i have been gone to the parks in over 15 years and i live wow. in florida 
um, which is, you know, the Disney World and, you know, Hollywood Studios. Uh, well, I've only gone a handful of times. I did go recently to Hollywood Studios, and it was raining sideways. <laughs> it was really bad. Uh, we went on uh, Tower of Terror with my girlfriend, which is pretty awesome. I didn't, I was actually right. screaming. It was, pretty in, <laughs> it was pretty intense, but I had a good time. But um, I hope to go back again. You know, I have an annual pass too now. So we'll be nice. able to go with the family and everything. So. Awesome. That'll be fun. Great. Disney World's getting a lot of new stuff coming up soon, too. So oh, is yeah. Disneyland, really. Both of them have a lot of projects going on right now. Um, you got to go down for the Food and Wine Festival. That starts, like, in a couple weeks yeah. at Epcot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I keep really hearing. excited for the Tron Coaster. Yes. Oh, yes. It'll be awesome. Yes. If there's a Tron Coaster coming to Magic Kingdom. It's going to be awesome. Tomorrowland's getting a little bit of a facelift. I know. About <laughs> time. <laughs> Over, overdue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so who would you say would be your favorite character? Uh, for me, in terms of like from the movies and stuff, it changes a lot. Recently, Baymax was for a couple years. Um, nice. Also, I have a great appreciation for Tomatoa because he's so shiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, like in terms of collecting and stuff, I definitely try and get some of the Disneyland characters because they're a little bit less appreciated in, like, I don't know, general mainstream pop culture. So, like, the Hatbox Ghost, Captain mm-hmm. Rex from Star Tours, um, even, like, generic things like a Jungle Cruise skipper. <laughs> yeah. Because um, the new movie's coming out, so that'll be cool. Um, and, yeah, That's so a right. bunch yeah. of different people. I'm all about figment at Disney World, so I understand yeah. the love of those park-specific <laughs> characters or, yeah. like, the orange yeah. bird. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Uh, I got to say, for me, my favorite character is Jim Hopkins. Jim Hawkins, there you go, from Treasure Planet. Uh, I know I know it's kind of different, and um, he's not really a Disney character. You know, he was made into a, you know, the book first with Treasure Island. Um, but... I don't know. I just really liked him because he was just. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to get his haircut too. Like, don't, don't you dare! <laughs> but um, I, he was just a kid that you could relate to. I think you know, a little yeah. troublemaker. But um, like, I stuck to that. I, as you know, when I was younger, I uh, also liked Peter Pan. He was a you know, um, I was a big fan of him, just like everybody else. But yeah, yeah. Jim, I'm gonna sit with Jim Hawkins on that on this one. You nice. just like the troublemakers, then? Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Mischievous ones, yeah. All right. All righty. What is your all-time favorite movie? Uh, for me, again, it changes a lot, but probably one of the common threads is I really enjoy Treasure Planet. So that's actually a common thread there between 20,000 Leagues and then Treasure Planet. Um, yeah, I really liked um, all the characters in the, like, kind of the space spin on the awesome Treasure Island storyline. So that was cool. Nice. I gotta agree with him. That's my favorite movie too. <laughs> Treasure, it was it was very uh, I think underrated. Yeah, I agree. I know it didn't. It wasn't uh, you know, didn't get that popular bounce like um, yeah. Moana or Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like a little uh, you know, you hear you know once you hear Treasure Planet, everyone's like, oh yeah, I saw that movie. Yeah, I like yeah. it now. I like it now. You know, after. just need some. It needs some Broadway songs, like all the yes. other ones. <laughs> yeah, yes, and make it more more popular, probably. Nick, Nick was the first one to request Treasure Planet. He's like, it was. Yeah. I was. I was begging. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> We've got 
got some besties in the making over here. <laughs> yeah, you guys are very similar. <laughs> so, uh, if you had to pick, what would your favorite Disney park be? It's got to be Disneyland, just because I spend so much time there. It's it's awesome, and it's cool how it's different every time you go. It's so But there's good. still the classic things, too. <laughs> it's so good. I just, every time I think about our our trip to Disneyland, I'm like, oh, I want to go back so bad. <laughs> it's so good. It's just so far. <laughs> uh, I really can't answer that question because, again, I haven't been in 15 years. Uh, I mean, right now I'm just going to stick with Hollywood Studios because, you know, I was there briefly, but I had a great time with my girlfriend. It was awesome. Um, got to see a few of the shows, Frozen show, and, again, I said uh, Tower of Terror. Mm-hmm. Uh it was just like, I just really liked the vibe. It was different. I would always go to Universal and Islands of Adventure yes. for the Harry Potter world, for <laughs> Jimmy Fallon and everything. And now to uh, switch over, you know, cancel mm-hmm. that annual pass to do, you know, devote my allegiance to Disney. Uh, <laughs> it, it was different and I like different. I mean, and I look forward to, um, you know, checking out the other parks next time or, you know, our next conversation. I'll, I'll give you guys my favorite park. You got homework. Yeah. Yes, I do. I have, to, <laughs> I have to admit that we are annual pass holders to Universal and not Disney. But oh, I know. <laughs> It'll happen eventually. Eventually. <laughs> We're working on it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, lastly, what is your favorite Disney memory? Um, again, I keep going back to the trips, but there were a couple times when I was younger that a lot of my whole family would go out. Um to Disneyland, like my dad and his two brothers, all their families. And so it was just really cool. Like you go spend some time with, with all the cousins and go on all the crazy roller coasters. And then you'd meet up with the grandparents and go on some dark rides. <laughs> it was just, it's just so adaptable to anyone who attends. It was, I have some good memories with my parents and my brother and my girlfriend and the family. So. Walt would have loved to hear that. Yeah. That's, that's exactly, exactly what, what he wanted it to be. It's exactly <laughs> what he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think for me uh, would be watching if you guys. I'm pretty sure you remember the sing along songs. Oh my god! Disney sing along <laughs> yes, songs. Yeah, yes, yeah, totally. I would watch that. I I know my mom bought that one for us too, but we would watch it religiously, mm-hmm. like almost every week. Uh, my older brother and my little brother and I, we would just sit at the TV, and I think there would be total silence unless there was like us singing, you know, mm-hmm. singing and like laughing and uh, trying not to be too afraid to fast forward the haunted mansion part <laughs> we're like, we're like yeah like we, we can take this we can take this okay let's fast forward yeah. Yeah. i can't handle this but that was definitely a good memory like we were all smiles and yeah. laughing it was just you know that definitely that i mean i even youtubed that that so movie because I. I can't yeah, find yeah. it anywhere else so youtube had it for me so i was like I, I won't deny that I was singing in the shower a few of the sing-along songs. Yeah. So. <laughs> that VHS is very prominent in my childhood, too. I think I watched it every day. I've got, my mom's got some real good home videos of me as, like, I mean, an infant. I Like, probably just walking. Maybe not even fully walking, but just, like, you know, couch surfing. And I'm, like, holding on. <laughs> I'm, like, holding on to the couch. And my my attention is just fully focused on Roger Rabbit on Big Thunder Mountain and, like, riding the ride, singing along those songs. Yeah. I always thought that was so funny that, like, Roger Rabbit was in that video. 
It's random. Yeah. But I enjoyed that. For sure. Yeah. They're like, we don't use this one enough. Let's throw let's throw Roger in there. <laughs> Give him a bone. Right. <laughs> Alrighty. So today we will be discussing 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is a pretty popular one in this age. Mm-hmm. Um this is one that I had heard of before doing the podcast, so that means something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's time for the 30-second Disney Dash. Uh. Oh, man. <laughs> I sense some anxiety. <laughs> I mean, if, if I go first, you guys will sound great, because mine is never good. So, so I'll That's go. That's not true. It's probably going to be true this time, though. I mean, actually, I, you know, again, I liked this movie. I paid attention the whole time. I didn't fall asleep. I thought it was a good story. So maybe, it, maybe it'll be better than normal. But... So you're going first? Yeah, I'll go. All right. She's a trooper. I know. <laughs> On your mark. Get set. Go. Okay, so we have some rumors that there is a sea monster attacking ships in the Pacific Ocean. And we have a professor and his sidekick from France (laughs) Um, and the United States government comes and asks them to do an expedition with them so they go out and then this monster attacks their ship Uh, and then they he joins Captain Nemo and goes on adventures and then that's the end oh my god I saw great the first, yeah, great summary of the first quarter of the movie. <laughs> I saw the timer and I was like, oh shoot, <laughs> I was talking oh too slow. Oh, how many seconds was that? 27. Oh, you nice. cheater. <laughs> oh, uh, I guess I'll go next. Um, all right, all right. Man, all right. <laughs> All right. all right, just letting you know right now, this is all on paper. Like, I wrote <laughs> I notes during this movie. It, That's awesome. I was, like, trying to, like, I was even, talk, like, talking to my boss earlier, like, how am I going to do this? Like, this is such a crazy, it's a broad movie. And I was like, how am yeah. I going to explain this in all 30 seconds? So let's just do it. You just pick the first part and then, like, you know, quickly do the <laughs> ending. <laughs> good strategy. Are you going? Yeah, I'll do okay. it. All right, ready? Set, go. All right, so there's sea monster rumors uh, about them uh, attacking ships. There's Professor Aranax and his assistant, Conseil, uh, invited on the expedition. Uh, Harpooner Ned Land comes along. A monster finds them first. They end up uh, getting hit by the so-called monster, flipping them overboard. The ship uh, floats away. The three find themselves on a submarine. Professor watches an ocean funeral, gets caught. They meet captain nemo spoilers the monster is a submarine the noculus dun 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 we meet esmeralda the seal awkward dinner with recipes all coming from the ocean uh they go on a- <laughs> 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 oh, i told you i got to really like detail like i'm trying to cut all the details out of my like how am i gonna do this but I right. have to say that I did not realize that that was a funeral until you just said <laughs> Uh, the only thing I know is that it was in the book, too. So I know that um, thing was on my mind. And then I saw in the movie, I was like, oh, okay, cool. As soon as you so. said that, I was like, that's what the box was. <laughs> Which, yeah, and they also had like a cross that they put as like a headstone. But, you know, sorry. They were it's just okay. partying under the sea with a long box. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, confusing. Oh, my God. 
I feel so much better now. (laughs) (laughs) That means I should go go and relieve this stress. Yes. Alrighty. Ready? Set. Go. Professor Aranax, his assistant and boisterous harpooner Ned Land, sailed to prove the rumored monster's existence. The monster attacked, stranding the three on the revealed Nautilus submarine commanded by Captain Nemo. During a series of undersea adventures, the professor marvels at the scientific knowledge while Ned Land desperately wants to escape. Nemo has written off civilization as evil for the death of his family. Despite the professor's pleas, Ned Land's SOS messages cause an ambush. Nemo's suspicion that humanity isn't ready for the Nautilus' powers confirmed he is mortally wounded and sinks the Nautilus and crew, the professor Ned Land, and the assistant escape. Whoa! 29 and a half seconds. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. This sounded like the back of the DVD. I know. That was awesome. <laughs> you was do have it? a DVD I started, on you right now. I, I, I wrote out my own little synopsis, and then I timed it, and it was like two minutes. And so I was like, crafting, what can I cut? What can I cut? Two minutes. So it took a while. Well, that was good. That was very impressive. Let's see if Katie can stay within 30 seconds. Mine is not that good. Yeah. So you're going to sacrifice quality for timing, is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. That's what I did, too. It's okay. Absolutely. Ready? (laughs) Yep. Set. Go. There's rumor of a monster out there. Just kidding. It was only Captain Nemo. He takes our three heroes captive and they eat weird seafood and travel the ocean for I have no idea how long. Nemo is super smart but actually kind of crazy and takes down any warship he sees. The professor and crew aren't happy about this. They all escape cannibals and the giant squid, but in the end you can find Nemo and the Nautilus at the bottom of the ocean. At least Esmeralda was okay. That was cute. That was awesome. Yes, that was, that was awesome. It was like really poetic. Thanks. <laughs> Simple and sweet. In only 20 seconds. Yes. Well done. Thank you. All right. See, Woo. mine was the worst. It's all good. <laughs> it was good. It's all over with. It's now we over. can just like talk and relax. Yeah, yes. can relax. Yes. All right. So some history on 20,000 Leagues. It was released in 1954. Um, it was personally produced by Walt Disney and directed by Richard Fleischer. It starred Kirk Douglas, James Mason, Paul Lucas, and Peter Lorre. And it was also the first feature-length Disney film to be distributed by Buena Vista Distribution. Yeah. Um, and it was adapted from the 19th century novel, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne. Um, and this is really funny because literally as we were watching this, as soon as they stepped onto the Nautilus. Katie was like, it looks steampunk. And like, mm. it said that it's kind of the early precursor to the steampunk genre. Um, yeah. And the film was a critical mm. and commercial success, especially remembered for the fight with the giant squid. Yes, Brett. Very cool. Just really quick, they the they were talking about, I was watching a documentary on the, how they made the movie and they were talking about the design of the submarine, how they were trying to meld like the practicality, but then also have it give this really cool like gothic or Victorian flair mm-hmm. both inside and outside and that's uh, I think that's part of what kind of started off that yeah. steampunk feel that was really cool it is cool I love it and I love um I actually I'm a big Disney pin collector and trader when I go to the parks and I have a Nautilus pin yeah. and I never really like appreciated what it was until I watched it. I was like, oh, this is for the ride. That's kind of what I associated it with was like the old ride at Disney. Mm -hmm. But then 
I was like, oh, yeah, it looks exactly uh, like the one in the film. Because it is. That's what it is. It's the <laughs> one from the film. <laughs> I think I read somewhere, too, when I was looking for, like, fun facts, that, like, the original Nautilus was, like, really boring. And, like, it wasn't cool looking at all. So, like, to go from that to what it is, I think it looks really awesome. I love it. It looks totally, like, Space Edge. and. I also yeah, yeah. want to say that I you can tell that this film was produced by Walt. I, I would agree yeah. with that. I mean, you know, not that, again, not that any of the other live actions from this era are horrible, <laughs> but, like, you can tell that this one just had his touch on it. And I think that that's probably why it was more successful than some of the others. Not that, yeah. you know, like, Robin Hood was successful. That was that one was pretty good. Um, it's well known, you know, like that is one that I had heard of before doing this podcast, but like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, this is one that made it into the parks. Right. Like it definitely had the love from Walt there, you know? And like, there were, there were also like really specific things that he added, like Elvis Meralda, the sea lion that, um, he added that just for kind of comedic relief, um, which is awesome. like Walt. Um, Yeah. yeah. I like it. Totally, I agree. Are you done? I'm done. Oh, okay. It's my turn. Do my job. (laughs) All right, so some fun facts. So this was originally, Disney originally considered making this film an animated feature. No one's surprised here. Um, But some pre-production sketches by artist Harper Goff um, convinced him otherwise because they just looked so good. This would have taken forever oh my god as an animated mm-hmm. film do you think esmeralda still would have made the cut yeah definitely <laughs> okay good they they had they had a scene that was planned where the sub the nautilus would dive super deep i don't know what the exact distance was but they actually developed a lot of animation for all the deep sea creatures and there was going to be a window scene where they were looking out the window and they have all the exotic like angler fish and Ooh. all these light up creatures but ended up getting cut from the final version, but that was the only part of animation that almost made it into the film. I feel like that's a theme. Like, there's always, like, almost something that he wants to throw in there, you know? Go ahead, Nick. Oh, I'm just glad that it made, you know, I mean, they stuck with the live-action idea. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of oceanic, like, everything. I mean, when it comes to, you know, fiction or just real life, you know, in general. Um to see them filming underwater. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I mean, was there a lot of movies, you know, back then that had that? I kind I mean, of thought I'm of pretty that sure. Too. Yeah. Back then what it was made in 1954. So to see, you know, not just the fish and everything, but them like in underwater suits mm-hmm. and like, you know, communicating with each other. I mean, that I was like, you know, I'm sitting there, I was watching it today actually. And I'm just sitting there like, how do they? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. They don't have all the fancy stuff that, you know, they have now. And, yeah, right. we don't, you know, CGI and everything. That was their CGI. I'm pretty sure right. everybody in the audience was like, whoa. <laughs> I will so. I will say that they did have those little animated fish in that one scene. Yes. When it's like, it shows <laughs> like a like big window of the Nautilus. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> those little <laughs> they look they look pretty good for they do. They, that time. For that period. time, yeah. But like it's funny to us now. I was just watching it, I'm like, huh, little animated fish. <laughs> it looks kind of funny. 
<laughs> Side note, speaking of their, like, underwater garb, mm-hmm. totally looks like the bad guy from the Spongebob Squarepants movie in Shell City. Yeah, yeah. Made me laugh the whole time. Yeah, she talked about it a lot. Their boots are exactly the same. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> oh, so the actual undersea footage was shot in the Bahamas, which was actually in the same location that was used for the silent version of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea back in 1916. So that's kind of a cool throwback. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but... Um, so we all know that there's cannibals in the movie that chase Ned Land. Um, and you can't see it on screen, but they actually, like, wrote funny things on their foreheads. So, like, one of them said, like, eat at Joe's, and another one said, I ate Joe. <laughs> so I can just see them, like, painting these things on each other and thinking it's hilarious. Um, Meg, did you say that already? Mm-mm. Oh, this was Walt's first feature using the CinemaScope process. So basically this is, like, an early widescreen version. And it's also the reason that there's not a lot of close-up shots. It's mostly like further away. Mm-hmm. So you can get more in there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Cast members carried herrings in their pockets so they could reward Esmeralda like after they had a scene <laughs> with her. And I don't remember if it was um, Richard Fleischer, is that his name, the director? Mm-hmm. Or who said it, but uh, he said that it just smelled like a, a fish market while they were <laughs> filming. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but she is worth it. She's so cute. She, oh my Rightfully God. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. When she came on screen, I was like, all right, I like this movie even better now. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Yeah. Um, so this might be my favorite fun fact. Um, in 1969, Captain Nemo's pipe organ, which had been on display in Disneyland, was redressed and now resides in the ballroom of Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. What? Yeah. Ooh. That's why when we were watching it, I was like, that's a cool organ. Because I wanted you to remember it when I read this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a duplicate was constructed for the Walt Disney World's version of Haunted Mansion, which opened in 1971. And then another duplicate was made a decade later for Tokyo Disneyland. That's so cool. I, I wish that I would have <laughs> known that when we like went on... Haunted Mansion in Disneyland. I agree. I guess I wouldn't have appreciated it, though, because, like, I'd never seen this movie until the other day, but right. <laughs> still, that's but really when we neat. go back, we can check it out for sure. Yeah. Um, so this one is also funny because I waited for this part in the movie oh, the my whole God. time, and then, like, I looked down at my phone at this one moment, and that's when it happened. And so... she was like, did he just fall? And I'm like, kind of. And she's like, I've been waiting the whole movie to see this. So I had to rewind it for her. <laughs> so when Ned goes on to the Cannibal Island, obviously he doesn't stick around very long because he's going to get eaten. So when him and Kansei get back into the little rowboat, which is apparently called a skiff, which is a fun new word for everybody. Um, when they made it, it was it was made out of wood and they painted it just to look like metal. So it had to be weighted down so it looked like it was an actual boat in the water. But when they transferred that to this island to shoot, they forgot, they took the sandbags out so they could transfer it, and they forgot to put it back in there. So when Kirk gets in there to, like, row, he thought it was going to be, like, weighted down, and that's why he flies backwards and his legs shoot up in the air. And Richard Fleischer thought it was so funny, he just left it in the film. So I was like, yeah, man, you have to go back, I have to see this. And it it really was funny. (laughs) 
to be honest, I thought that That's was great. just like trying to, you know, give a little bit of a funny, <laughs> right? You know, like like you know, like what Disney always ends up doing, like trying to, you know, lighten up the mood. Oh, there's cannibals coming. Let's make people laugh. Right. You know, I don't know, but yeah, that did crack me up. I didn't expect that to be just, you know, an accident. accident. Yeah, a happy accident for sure. That was your. You were so funny. You're like, I missed it. I waited. It's like he got in this stupid skiff like a hundred times and every time he didn't fall and I was like when's it gonna happen and then I missed it <laughs> oh so until the late 1960s many of the sets representing the interior of the Nautilus were actually used as an attraction at Disneyland so that was like the chart room the salon saloon salon uh with the organ and one of the observation windows and the squid from the movie was, like, fastened over the top of the observation window and was animated so that beak would come out, snap a couple times, and then retract. Which is... Spooky. That part was really creepy to me. <laughs> but I actually had Agreed. to, like, Google if that's really what giant squids like <laughs> if that's really what their mouth looks like and it is i was like oh my god that like exists in real life it's terrifying she, like shows me this terrifying google image search i was like phone. it's real <laughs> it's actually real <laughs> um so when the nautilus so wait so whenever they changed did all of that just go away when they changed it to the nemo ride yeah they removed it and a lot of them were destroyed unfortunately yeah. Yeah, I don't know why Disney destroys anything, because they could just, like, create this museum anywhere they want with all this extra stuff, and people would go. I've never understood why they destroy things. Like, they destroyed the Main Street Electrical Parade, or not, no, the uh, Spectrum Magic Parade. Like, why? Why? Just... Just, just why? Them. They're beautiful. Just look, I mean, have them in a museum for me to look at, like not even in a parade. I would pay money to go into that museum. Because guess what? 20 years from now, if you're like, Spectral Magic's coming back for one night only, you're going to sell out the entire park. <laughs> it's going to be mayhem. Yeah. Maybe they didn't realize how important it was going to be to people like later Probably. on. I guess they had like, I'm guessing right. they had millions of more ideas to come, you know? Right. Of, yeah. Sometimes I just want to mm. smack them, though. Yeah, they need to talk what to us. <laughs> yeah. So when the Nautilus rams into one of the ships, and we see how it sinks down through the water, um, you could see some of the wires that supported, like, the ship model of the Nautilus. So they just, like, threw in some bubble streams that were animated, which I didn't even notice, to I hide those. I didn't notice that either. I noticed the fake Maybe fish, I would notice, like, now that I know that. Right. Did you have something you wanted to say? Right. No, okay. I thought I saw a hand wave. <laughs> um, one of the models of the Nautilus used for filming was on display at the Living Seas in Epcot until it was remodeled. So I don't know if it's there anymore. Which is kind of sad. Do you remember this? Did it look like your pin? Funny. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking, like, I, so now they have this area in the Living Seas Pavilion that is um, Nemo-themed. Like yeah. Finding Nemo themed, where they've got like this big, this big Bruce shark that you can like climb into and like look out through his teeth and get a picture. <laughs> and they've got like pieces of the ship. And like, I wonder if maybe before that was there, that's where that was. But I'm just not remembering. That just like makes sense as to where it would have been, I guess. I never saw it before it was Nemo, so. Yeah, that had to have been a, a long time ago. However, that's Nemo replacing Nemo, so it kind of fits. It's true. 
Or happier Nemo. Right. <laughs> yeah, much happier Nemo. <laughs> Except when he's all angry and touches the butt. So a league is considered to be three nautical miles at sea, and a nautical mile is about one point one five miles. So if if they traveled, I know, right? If they traveled twenty thousand leagues, that would have been sixty-eight thousand three hundred and fifty miles, which is enough to circle the Earth almost two and a half times. It's a lot. So, I don't think that actually happened. <laughs> but I don't know. I didn't read the book. And the well, movie was a little 20, unclear. 20,000 leagues under the sea. So, that's just how deep, deep they, they are. Right. Mm-hmm. It's true. Weird. And they did say at one point that they, like, went deeper than anyone has ever gone before, <laughs> right? I'm just I'm just saying I would never go in a submarine. <laughs> ever. <laughs> never, ever. When they started, like, <laughs> getting, like, water on the ship and stuff, like... I just looked at her like, and she was just like, no! Nope. No! Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Um, I, in the book, you actually, it's really cool. They have maps of the, the route that the Nautilus takes. So you can, like, each Ooh, chapter look back cool. at exactly where they are and what their route's been. And I do have to say that it, the 20,000 Leagues is, like, how far through all the oceans that they travel. Um, well, geez. Yeah, because I think cool. 20,000 Leagues is, like, deeper than is what's out there the mariana's trench or whatever it is (laughs) (laughs) mariana trench is the deepest yeah yeah i want to i think i want to read it yeah maybe well legitimately like i i always say i want to read books and then i just read harry potter but i will try (laughs) to read something different besides harry potter It's an amazing book. Um, One thing to keep in mind when you're reading it is there's actually um, several translations of the book um, Mm. because it was originally written in French. um, And there was an early translation into English. And apparently it was a really, really poor translation. And like a third of the the content got cut out. And then a lot of the translations you find today are based off of that incomplete translation. So Anyway, you might just want to do a little bit of internet research and make sure that you're getting a true translation of the original French from someone more contemporary um, and to make sure you're getting the whole story. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely would not have thought. I would have just probably gone to, like, Barnes & Noble and gotten one of those. (laughs) (laughs) One of those, like, reprints where they put the pretty cover on it so you want to buy it. Those are pretty. I know. They get me every time. So this was one of the first Disney films to actually be shown in a two-hour time slot on TV, because most of the oh, previous yeah, ones split. were either edited down to an hour, or they were like split into two or more one-hour segments and then like shown over a couple weeks, kind of like a season that we watch on TV now. That's so weird. I know. Yeah, can you imagine like having to wait to see the rest of the movie? Like that sounds stupid because we wait to see the rest of a TV show, which is essentially like a movie, but yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. But, to like, me. a TV show is so much more content than just right. a two-hour movie, you know? So, like, if right, it's just yeah. a two-hour movie, like, just show me the whole movie. If it's a TV <laughs> show, that's, like, potentially 13-plus hours of film time, you know? Like, that makes sense because of all the detail. You're right. Yeah. Go what ahead. they should have done, it just made the it into a TV show instead of a movie. It has enough content Honestly. For, to be a TV show. That'd as, be cool. as we saw in our 30-second Disney dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, did you have something to add? Oh, Brett can go first. Oh, okay. Uh, I just had a couple 
other quick fun facts. One of the funny ones was um, when they go into the heart of the submarine where the nuclear power is, um, and they have all those cool like rainbow balls in the wall that's like to show the nuclear power, the fusion or fission, whatever. Um, it was actually, they made that in a couple of days. They went out and bought a bunch of salad bowls and kaleidoscopes and then <laughs> set up a bunch of lights and just swirled the kaleidoscopes behind them. Um, and it, it, it looked realistic enough that, I mean, not realistic because that's not what it looks like, but it looks cool enough that they were satisfied with it. So that was kind of cool. That's amazing. That's cool. Yeah. Cause in the book, the, the, the Nautilus, it's, it's very mystical power sources, electricity. And so they updated that to nuclear power for the movie. And then that kind of ties into another fun fact that the USS Nautilus, which was a real submarine in the U.S. Navy was the world's first operational nuclear-powered submarine, so they took Ooh. the name straight oh, from, cool. from here. And it was actually the first submarine to successfully travel underneath the North Pole, which is one of the many adventures that, that's in the book that got caught in the, uh, cut in the movie. I think they actually go to the South Pole, but that was kind of cool how it parallels real life. That's neat. All right, we need this guy in all the time because he's got some serious fun facts, and I love it. <laughs> die. I love it. Just, I, I just had one more cool one. It's called the Sunset Squid. Apparently, that's like well known in the Disney Studios. That so they 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 built a giant squid to have the fight scene, and they filmed the scene, and it was supposed to be at sunset, so the Nautilus would come out of the water and the sun setting. So it's, they wanted that deep red of the sky to look cool with the deep red of a squid. Um, but it looks horrible. You can go and see it on YouTube if you type in 20,000 league sunset squid. Um, you can see the lines, the strings, like the marionette of oh, all the different man. tentacles. And cool. I, it, it just looks really, really cheap for uh, lack of a better word. So they went and showed it to Walt knowing that there was an issue with it. And he said, oh, no, 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 this isn't going to work at all. So he said, totally scrap everything you did. I'm going to go work with some of my Disneyland <laughs> Imagineers. And so they, they redeveloped the concept where then the Nautilus would be um, attacked by the squid and surface in a, mail, a hailstorm of just tons of water and wind and everything. So that would hide all the strings, kind of like the sinking ship with the bubbles. Mm -hmm. um, so I would recommend you anyone who watched the movie, go see the sunset squid. So you can see like before and after Walt got it specifically involved with how the movie looks and it's night and day. It's really cool. That's awesome. It's literally almost like <clears throat> night and day. Yeah. It, literally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So like as a designer, like I'm often told by my boss that like I have to scrap what I've done, but like, it'll be like uh -huh. a poster design, not like an entire film section yeah, of a movie. I like imagine. I can't imagine Walt just being like, nope, scrap it. Get rid of it. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, it's also entire, part of the Entire storylines that they come up with and stuff. Oh. I think it also caused, I think this movie had astronomical costs. It was like the most expensive movie made to mm -hmm. that date. So I'm sure that had something to do with it. And then also the filming underwater and on location, it oh, really yeah. helped add up the bill. <laughs> you could tell there was a lot of uh, thinking involved with this one. Like, yeah. I wouldn't say uh, like perfectionist, although this, well, was a quite a big of you know perfectionist um yeah. they just it looks like they took their time and they got yeah. i mean I, don't, I enjoyed every bit of it i'm like i was yeah. this is a movie where i was actually in trance like i was like this is an old movie yeah and 
I'm actually like not falling asleep. Or, you know, <laughs> my attention. Right. It, it is definitely it definitely held my attention. It's been all it was a long time. It's been a long time since I saw it. So rewatching it was like brand new to me. It was yeah. I think it was recognized in its time too. It got Oscars, um, both more technical achievements like in special effects, and then I think the other one was art direction. Um, but people of the time definitely recognized that it was a pretty big deal too. Yeah, yeah, it was something special. Yeah, like it did really well, but even though it did so well, they spent so much making it, they didn't really make a profit. Yeah. yeah. And it probably didn't help that Kirk Douglas was the highest paid actor that Walt paid at any point in time so far. He made $175,000 off of that, which for that time is quite a bit. Yeah, that's a lot. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I, um, I actually heard that Kirk Douglas, I think uh, his character... Uh, Ned Land didn't really have much of like action sequences in the book. Mm-hmm. So he told, I don't know if he told Walt for, or he told the director, he's like, you got to get me into like some fighting scenes or something like that. Because I guess <laughs> the, around that time, 1954, I guess was where Kirk Douglas was on top. He was a favorite, you know, I mean, who couldn't ignore, you know, muscles and was that blonde chin, hair man? and the chin. <laughs> yeah. My, my mom brought up the chin when we were all watching. She's like, look at that chin. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, for him to request that and, like, put me in more action scenes, I thought that was awesome. Him with the, with the fight with the quartermaster at the end, that, like, mm. was pretty cool yeah. for its time. It almost, scene. like, brought, it almost uh, was like a, a Matt Damon movie. For a second, like I was watching like Born Supremacy, but with Kirk Douglas, so and in it was the pretty ocean. cool. Yeah, in the ocean. He, he also wanted to be like more macho man. So like originally, when he walk, when you first see Ned, he walks in with these two girls on his arms, and that wasn't supposed to be a part of the movie, but he requested it. Jinx, you owe me a coke. Okay, tell me what the two girls' names were. I don't know. He <gasps> sings about them. Uh, oh. Right, man. I can I Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually only remember the first part of it because it's like it's like Typhoon Tessie, I think, and then it's there's, there's Hurricane. A mermaid in the oh, maybe that's it. It's yeah. mermaid. That's right. That's right. See, he sang it in his uh, song. <laughs> Whale yeah. Tail. Yeah. Which they had to teach him how to play guitar to do that song, that bit. And he wanted to add his own little flair, and that's why he has those weird little like guitar throws in the yeah. middle of singing mm-hmm. it's that it does he, he wanted thing. to add that to stand out <laughs> he just had to be a showman you know oh he succeeded though <laughs> <laughs> it's all with that chin um so i've mentioned this name a couple times before um peter ellenshaw he does all those paintings in the background he did it for this one as well and then just to wrap up my fun facts i wanted to talk about the ride at Disney World, but also I didn't realize, I got confused. I thought Disneyland was 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I don't think it was. I think it was just called Submarine Voyage. I don't think it was think actually so, yeah. that theme. It wasn't that until it went to Walt Disney World. Mm. So it was the same ride, I think, but it was themed after this 20,000 is, Leagues. Um, this is the only e-ticket attraction that I never went on. It's also uh, the only e-ticket attraction to ever be removed from the park. It's crazy. Wow. It took up a lot think, of space, though. Like, a lot yeah, of and space. Yeah, and I think, 
I think the maintenance costs were also high maintaining all the all the stuff underwater. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of repainting. <laughs> it took up twenty five percent of Fantasyland. It had a eleven and a half million gallon tank that had to be drained wow. several times a year and cleaned. Wow. So it actually closed exactly 23 years to the day after it opened in 1994. Um, and then it was turned in Ariel's Grotto, and then it was turned Which into... Which I loved. I just needed to throw that. I loved Ariel's I mean, Grotto. I vaguely <laughs> remember it. I don't even know if... Yeah, because then I went again, and Pooh's Playful Spot was there. And then they moved Pooh's Playful Spot over to where right. the ride is, and now that's New Fantasyland. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Like, literally almost to the entirety of New Fantasyland is where this one ride was. Right. And that is the mine ride, Ariel's ride, and Belle's um, Enchanted Tales with Belle. And that whole restaurant. And be our guest. Yes, Nick? Um, I know this is totally off topic because I know where we are wrapping up facts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, this isn't the first time that Captain Nemo was referenced, like, I mean, in a movie. Like, he wasn't, in, I mean... Uh, you know, of course, with the book and the movie, but there's another uh, comic book. I want to say another comic book. There is a comic book made by Dark Horse Comics, and they're, uh, they kind of joined in with DC Comics, if you guys are familiar with that, Batman, Superman, whatever. Uh, dark Horse Comics is a very dark <laughs> genre in comics books. It's very graphic, very violent, very, you know, very much for adults, but there was a comic called The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Oh, I and uh, yeah, there it was a movie with uh, Sean Connery and a few others, but it was basically a super team, basically the Avengers, but more adult. So we have uh, Captain Nemo in it. We have Tom Sawyer, and I mean like a Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer kind of thing. <laughs> uh, awesome. uh, Dorian Gray. Uh, you see Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. There's a vampire lady. I don't know her name, but I mean, like, it's just a bunch of crazy people. Oh, uh, the Invisible Man, mm. and uh, they made it into a movie. It was a little bit more washed down for audiences because the comic is extremely, you know, violent and crazy. But um, if you guys ever have the time, it's mm. really cool. I mean, I liked it when I was when it came out a while ago. But um, they really reference like Captain Nemo's like you know, uh, knowledge for the sea. And he, instead of him having the Nautilus, there's another ship that he made that's even bigger. Hmm. That I think he calls it the sword of the sea because it just cuts right through the waves and it goes like triple the speed of the Nautilus, I think he says. But yeah, it's a pretty cool movie. Um, yeah, I think that's like, I mean, other than 20,000 Leagues, I mean, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I think might be the only thing, you know, um, movie slash comic that's taken his character. And... You know, spinned off into something else. So, spoiler, he dies in this movie, so... But he lives on in other things. <laughs> Katie, you just ruined the whole movie. I said spoiler! <laughs> well, in the book, And he's actually I, a goodie in the movie, so... In the book, hmm. I believe his yeah. his fate is, like, unclear. Like, you don't know what happens to him. And then I think he comes into, like, some sort of sequel. Or maybe that's what we're talking about now, but... Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Jules Jules Verne rewrote him into one of his novels that then followed up and showed the end of Nemo's life. But in the end of the book, yeah, it's, it's very mysterious that they actually get thrown off of the Nautilus. The Ned Lands, Aranex, and Conseil get thrown off in a bigger whirlpool, so they never know what happened to Nemo. <laughs> um, them personally, yeah. That's cool. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, that's going to annoy me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is going to annoy me now. What happens to Nemo? I'm going to be like going to bed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, he goes to school. Yeah, he touches yes. a butt. And then Uh-oh. goes to Australia. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh, well, I guess I should have mentioned that the submarine voyage in Disneyland did eventually turn into a Finding Nemo ride. Yes. So, mm-hmm. bring it all full an, circle. There is a Nautilus submarine. Like, just a, one of the big yellow subs is named the Nautilus. So you always got to get excited when you're going to be in the Nautilus on the red. Oh, That's man. cool. <laughs> I also, wonder if we wrote it. <laughs> I, think that, I think at Tokyo they have, um, they have a Nautilus. It's not like an attraction or anything, but it's like in their lake. Ooh. And it's yeah. like just there. That's cool. Yeah, and then they, 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 they you don't go in that, that ship for the ride, but there is a 20,000 leagues attraction that... Then you like sit in a little pod, and there's like a pane of two panes of glass with water in between, and then they kind of move you around like a dark ride, but you're mm. looking through a pane of glass with water and bubbles and stuff. That's cool. So that's that's on the bucket list for sure. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone knows, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I think they had a Nautilus on the backlot tour in Hollywood Studios. Oh, did they? Or they had something from this movie, but I can't. I'm pretty sure that's what it was, but I can't remember. I'm not Someone sure. Someone cool. tell me. They would like somebody Google it. They yeah. would they would trade stuff out on yeah. that attraction all the time. So like, like one constant was Walt's private jet was like always there. But then like I remember, <laughs> um, they had stuff from pirates. Yeah, those the skeleton cages. Yes, yeah, skeleton I cages. Those were back there, and uh, Herbie. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but like it was constantly changing depending on like the movies that were coming out or what they wanted to put back there but that's gone that's Sad no more. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore so they probably destroyed all that stuff too probably disney unfortunately yep all right so we've talked about a lot of these characters through the fun facts and everything already but just to like kind of shout them out a little bit so that we can fully appreciate who they are and what they do um, first is Ned Land, who is played by Kirk Douglas. He is the Harpoon master, master harpooner who kills the giant squid, saves Captain Nemo, and befriends Esmeralda, definitely. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I really like him. I didn't, and then I, and then I grew to like him quickly. Yeah, his character in the beginning is a little bit... Like, is he shady? Is he... He's I don't know. He's a little know. shady, but, like, it's funny. But, it, yeah, but he's, you like, know? comic relief shady. Yeah. I just like that he thinks he's just, like, this total B.A. And he kind of is, you know? Like, he, <laughs> he harpooned a squid, for God's sake. Um, I feel like Ned is always coming to save the day in this movie. Like, it's un- like it's supposed to be unexpected, but, like, he literally does it every time. So it's like, is it unexpected? Because he... <laughs> But uh, he's yeah. also quite crafty, making a guitar out of a turtle. That made me sad. Yeah, I know. Because he killed a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Watching them pull those turtles like uh, made me. Yes. I wanted to cry. Oh I my was gosh! Like, what are they doing? Oh, no. no, you don't need a turtle. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go. Yes. Yeah. I uh, 
Yeah, I know how you're saying like uh, that. How Ned Land was like always going to save the day. Like whenever there was like a you know desperate thing. I again, I told I, you know, said that uh, I haven't watched the movie in a while. So you know, seeing that uh, Captain Nemo was dying, and he's like, tell everybody to go to their quarters and lock the doors and uh, just wait. We're just going to basically have a sea burial. You're all, you're all going down with me. And I actually thought that's how the movie was going to end. Yeah. Like, I thought it was like, I was like, Disney, you're gone dark. Like, <laughs> you are terrible. Like, I totally forgot the ending. And then to see Ned show up, I don't know. I'm like, yes. yes. You, see, you see Esmeralda coming out after them, too. You're like, yes. okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That too. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that was the best. <laughs> I like how Ned just, like, adopts her. Like, oh, she's mine now. As soon as she came out, I, like, I think I looked at you and I was like, Oh, that's happy. This is the happy ending. As we're all done saved, this is perfect. <laughs> oh my god. Who's um, up next? Captain, Captain Nemo. Who is uh, quite a damaged fellow, really. So he like, is. Yeah, he is. It's a good word. Brett, did you have something to say? I... I was adjusting my glasses, but I do. <laughs> um, just, I'm very um, astute to watching the hands. So I just want to make, <laughs> make sure everybody careful. talks when they want to. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Nemo means um, no one, I think in Latin. Um, so when they ask, what's your Captain Nemo's name? He says, I'm Captain Nemo. So it'd be, I'm no one to you because he wants to ma- maintain his mysteriousness to them even though he's allowing them to survive on board interesting i also kind Hmm. of attributed that meaning to like he has no one as well yeah so yeah because he's lost everybody he's distant yeah he doesn't want to i feel like he doesn't want to get close to anybody anymore um but he's very focused on revenge um he's an interesting character I think he's really complex. Um, yeah. A quote that I, I that I really like from like the book that I, I jotted down was: "The sea is only the embodiment of supernatural and wonderful existence. It is nothing but love and emotion. It is the living infinite. The globe began with the sea, so to speak, and so who knows if it'll not end with it? It is supreme tranquility. So, it, I don't know. It, he kind of like tells the other characters that he's." left civilization i'm just living off the sea it's totally different i'm mm-hmm. doing my own thing but then he uses this machine and ship that he's built to then destroy ships and kill people so he's just a really complex character where he i think he still has inner demons that he's wrestling with where mm-hmm. he really wants to be peaceful and enjoy all the kind of like the scientific and engineering feats of what he's doing um but then he still has demons where he has to go and he feels the need to go and attack and revenge his family yeah mm. yeah yeah he's just like just always to... in the constant like running away from his past mm-hmm. yeah it's a very complex character yeah <laughs> he's pretty intense i mean like he's super like you don't really know what's going on when you first meet him and he's kind of standoffish and he seems weird and then like you kind of start gaining his trust as, like, the professor starts gaining his trust, but then you find out he's got this crazy past. Yeah. So it's a lot of up and ups and downs with good old Nemo. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so next up is Professor Aranax. Pierre. Pierre? Aranax? Aranax? I don't know. 
something like that. Like Professor that. A. Professor A. <laughs> um, and he is, uh, he's also kind of an interesting character just because he, I feel like he always has like another agenda going on. So like he, mm. he's like gaining the trust of Captain Nemo, but he also like has his own things that he's doing. And then he's got Conci, like, I, I don't know. I think he's kind of complex too, but I, I'm not really... Like, like, Concee is his partner, but then at the same time, he, like, kind of doesn't really care what he tells him at the one point in the movie, you know, and, like, Concee kind of goes against him, and he's got a lot going on. I don't know. Might be jumping, might be jumping the gun a little bit, but it, it's a really interesting, like, triangle of characters between Nemo, Aranax, and Ned Land, where they all have very uh, conflicting motives and goals in life, yes. where... Nemo is kind of like after revenge, but also appreciating the science and the technology that mm-hmm. that's going on. And Aranax really appreciates the science of it too. And he's like the Marvel, imagine what this could do for humanity. He still has faith in humanity while that's kind of gone in Nemo. Um, Nemo's kind of written everyone off. And then there's Ned Land who's just like, let me out of here. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the three of them all have interesting uh, play with each other, how... They all have different motives. And then, like, Conseil is kind of just in the middle, like, jumping in between them, where he starts yeah. out kind of, like, with the professor also in awe of kind of, like, what is all this? But as Aranex gets, like, more enthralled with Nemo and kind of the the Nautilus and everything that's going on there, then Conseil kind of finds more of a friend in Ned Land, where um, He's I need ready to talk to, to someone ship. from... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... I always thought that was a cool dynamic where it, it, it allows you to explore some pretty cool themes when you have such different characters in such tight quarters. Yeah. <laughs> <First> <laughs> to interact with each other. Yeah. Brad took all the words from my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. That's awesome. That's just a lot of research. I mean, I, I, I could agree too. Uh, Professor Aranax is a very complex character too, just like Nemo. You don't know which he's like. It's almost like he's um, he's intrigued by everything that he sees with the Nautilus, and and uh, but also bothered by Nemo's uh, visions and his motives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. like, this is so dark. He's like, but it's also the whole um, just seeing the Nautilus being under the water like that far down. Yeah. This is all new to him. So he's like, it's like a, he's in a trance, but also you know, see, so he's dealing with a lot. So, yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's pretty interesting to see. You know, this character is pretty interesting. It's almost, it's almost like the professor thinks that Nemo can be, like, redeemed and then share all yeah. his knowledge with the world. Right. Yes. While, while, while Ned Land sees all the dead sailors <laughs> in the ship they just destroyed and has written right. off Nemo, just mm-hmm. like Nemo's written off the world. So it's kind of like, it gets back to that, like, how they all interact. It's really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of dynamics going on. Yeah, yeah. Aranax mentioned more than once, too, and I was going to point out, and that's perfect because it matches right with what you said. He, like, way more values science over his own life or anyone else's life. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, I think he even says, like, well, what does is, what is my life matter? What does your life matter? Like, this is what's important. Yeah. He means he loves his profession, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think graphic design is more important than my life, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Helvetica is above me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro. Nah, bro. Nah. Um, so last but not least, 
I mean, I feel like we kind of, we kind of talked so bad. <laughs> a lot about, oh, we talked about him already with like the dynamics. He's kind of one of those characters that just bounces to where he thinks is the best option at that time. Um, so like, I feel like he doesn't really have a lot of his own, he doesn't really have a lot of his own opinions. He kind of just like clings to other people. Uh, yeah. but he slash gets talked into things. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's he's also almost kind of more comic relief, like yeah. Esmeralda, yeah. where like when he punches Ned Land in the in the stomach was when, when he's <laughs> oh expecting to be punched in the chin, and <laughs> the, the the fun thing where Ned Land will push his hair back and then he pushes it back down with like the cute little like uh, music that goes yeah. along with that. And so I think he might have been used as a little bit of comic relief as well. Yeah, it took me like half the movie to get used to his voice. It drove me nuts <laughs> for half the movie. He kind of looks like, um, okay, this is going to be my Harry Potter reference of the episode, but he, <laughs> you know, in, you know, whenever they're describing Professor Umbridge as a toad, yeah, he looks like Professor Umbridge <laughs> in like male form. There's, there's a quote during the production that Walt Disney says, and he's that the actor, I forget his name, um, who plays Conseil, he says, well, the squid takes the role that I would usually have, so yeah. I guess I get conseil. <laughs> so that, that kind of goes along with that. <laughs> he just kind of looks like a toad. Umbridge does have a brother, you know. Maybe so, that's I mean, her I brother. think this is a perfect. Crossover. Oh, there's relation. Mm. I Harry need Potter a. Crossover. I need a twenty thousand yeah. league slash Order of the Phoenix fan fiction crossover. That'd be cool. The yeah. Nautilus I'm pops not... up in the lake with the giant squid. Whoa! Uh... <laughs> Guys, it's totally connected. The giant squid is the squid. It didn't actually die. It just went to live at Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not super familiar with Harry Potter, but if I, I believe that the four characters that we've been discussing kind of match up with the four houses really well with Ned Land and Gryffindor, Aranax and Ravenclaw. Nemo and Slytherin and Conseil and Hufflepuff. I think they actually match <laughs> pretty well if you look at their characteristics. Dang. That like, was so nice. I, All right. I was I was looking at that before and I was like, wow, these match up like perfectly. Like, they do. <laughs> they do. It's pretty cool. All right, someone write this for me. Do it. <laughs> I need it. I know that we have fan fiction writer listeners out there, so do it. Let's Captain Nemo goes this. to Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. All right. So now we get to the fun opinion part of the episode where we just get to talk about our favorite and least favorite character slash scenes. So. We haven't gotten to discuss a favorite character in a while. I, feel I like know. Because of the, the True Life True Adventure Life films, it's just like. You can't be like. Well, I mean, Skippy is definitely one of my favorite obviously. characters. The, the squirrel, Skippy. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, okay. So I'm just going to do like favorite and least favorite together in one. So. Favorite character is going to be Ned... No, well, okay, Ned Land and Esmeralda's relationship. <laughs> yeah, together. I, I enjoy them together. Ned is just, like, he's an intense person, and he's brave, and but he's also funny. So it's just, like, he's got a lot going on, which I think makes him very likable. Um, and then Esmeralda is just obviously adorable because she's a seal, and I love animals. Um, least favorite character is probably 
Conci, because I think that he just doesn't, <laughs> I just think that he doesn't uh, bring a lot to the table. He's just kind of there, like we said, a little bit as comic relief, but he doesn't seem, and this sounds really like rude and mean, but like he just doesn't seem necessary. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, it is it is what it is. Uh, and then favorite scene would probably be the squid scene. Just because it's so intense and, like... It's not the sunset done, squid. No. But it's just, like, it's done so well for that time period. Um, yeah. It holds up today. Yeah. I mean, like... Even watching it now, I was impressed by you it. You said that when we were I watching I was like, <laughs> well, because Katie, I think, was getting, she was almost at the point where maybe she was getting a little bit bored, and, like, she wanted some action, and then that scene came on, and she's like, oh, this is good. <laughs> oh, that looks really good. <laughs> this looks really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I honestly don't really know about a least favorite scene. Like, I genuinely really enjoyed yes, you the, do. the sea turtles. <gasps> Yeah, that sea was turtles. really sad. And the sea turtles were getting yeah. taken to be killed. It was very sad. Depression. I find it unnecessary. <laughs> Just like Ponce. <laughs> Alrighty. That's me. Do you, wanna, you guys want to go? I'll go. Okay. Fine by me. Um, my favorite character was Ned Land. I mean, hands down. Uh, he reminded me a lot like uh, earlier Jack Sparrow. Yeah, Whoa. he would. I, I mean, like that's comparison. the best way to put it. I mean, he he was, you know, a man of his. He's like focusing on himself. Definitely brought a lot of laughter. Um, like to get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he. Uh, I don't know. He was just. He just taught you know a positive vibe to the movie. I. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Uh, favorite scene uh, was him playing the sea shanty song with the expedition crew in the beginning. You know, playing the guitar yeah, and everything. Like that. that was really cool to watch. It was a cool song, too. Very catchy. My first time ever hearing that song, too. So <laughs> uh, I enjoy that. Going to add that to my iTunes. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's already in mine. <laughs> uh, least favorite scene. Um, oh, least favorite character uh, was Professor Aranax, I have to say. Just, I was so tired of him. Almost like, where's your loyalty? going is it gonna go to the two people that you've you know met since the beginning you know like um ned and um your assistant or are you gonna go just this new guy and for his you know shiny new toys type of thing it's like you know uh, make a a decision you know and i don't know that, that just annoyed me a lot during the movie um least favorite scene uh Definitely the whole turtles being taken away. So I was like, why is why are they filming this? <laughs> as soon but, as like, yeah. they showed one and I was like, oh, that's sad. And then there was another one. And then there was another <laughs> one. And I'm like, what? Why? No. Eat some what is this dark ugly magic? looking fish. Don't eat a turtle. <laughs> it just oh. made me really sad. I agree. Cool. Brett, do you want to go? Sure. Um, so, in terms of like my favorite scene, um, I really like the scenes where it's it's like comedy derived off of how awkward Ned Land is on the Nautilus, kind of like <laughs> um, 
uh, like when he's trying to steal the 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 quote unquote ballast or the treasure um, from the Nautilus in the turtle shell, or when he's um, drinking all the alcohol out of the specimen bottles, or when he's trying, <laughs> um, or when he's trying Nemo's fine delicacies at the table for the first time, he oh just can't gosh, get anything down because of what it's from. So those are probably some of my favorite scenes. And in terms of like a favorite character. Um, I really like, as we kind of discussed, how all the characters interplay with each other. So I guess something new to say would be, um, I really like the Nautilus kind of as its own character. Um, like just that. the way in in the way it was designed, you could also say like the monster as the character. Yeah. Um, in both in terms of like, in terms of designing the ship, the the main designer um, thought of what are the two creepiest things that you would encounter in like the ocean or in water. And he came up with alligators and crocodiles and sharks. So if you mm. look at the Nautilus, you see the two like beady eyes coming out mm. of the water, like an alligator and then the shark fin. And so that was a really big part of his design. Mm. Um, I love that. And it's just yeah, the, that. yeah, it's really cool. And the scenes um, where Nemo is playing his giant pipe organ. And then there's just like side shots of the Nautilus cruising through the ocean. It's just so cool. Like I have it as my laptop screensaver sometimes. And, it's like eerie, um, but cool, you know, it's yeah. really haunting. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just like Captain Nemo, like, I don't know. He's kind of like projecting his emotion on the entire like ship and everyone in the ship and even the ocean around it. It's kind of just all the anguish inside of him is kind of coming out. So that that's really cool. And I like it. It, in terms it. of a, I don't really have a least favorite scene. Um, turtles. All I, I got is yeah. The, okay. <laughs> of course, say turtles. Of course. Um, I like turtles. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, they should not be pulling turtles away to their dooms. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I would just say I'm kind of twisting into a positive thing. If you really like the movie, you should definitely read the book. Make sure you get the right translation, like I was talking about. Um, but there's just kind of the quote unquote least favorite scene is all the scenes that they cut. There's a bunch of undersea <laughs> adventures where they go to the South Pole and they go to Atlantis. Um, Ooh, Atlantis would have been cool to see. Jealous. Yeah. And they go they go to a bunch of more um, expeditions where they describe all the fish and everything. So anyway, it's pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, I like that because like I felt like, you know that scene in The Lion King where Simba just like grows up on the log? It was mm -hmm. like we just passed a bunch of time. Mm -hmm. I know that they were there for longer than it seemed, <laughs> but right. yeah, you know, it's never really clear. Mm -hmm. Some story there you want? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You want you want the meaty bits of the story? You know, is it my turn? Mm -hmm. Um, my favorite character is probably Ned. Which again, I didn't like him at first, but then I ended up liking him. I like his humor. I like that he just, like, does what he wants, and then he also is, like, a hero. I feel like everything just comes easy to him, which, like, would probably make me want to hate him, but he's just charming, so mm -hmm. you can't really. He's like Jack Sparrow. Like, yeah. That's, that's a really that's a great really, comparison. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, favorite scene? Yeah. is when Ned it gets drunk with Esmeralda and he claps his feet and then she claps her fins and it really made me laugh. Yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> also, shout out to not the giant squid actual attack, but when like it's like flying through the water towards the ship. Oh my god, it's like it's it's not very good effects. <laughs> when it's out of the water and it's attacking the ship, it looks amazing. Hold on. Yeah. 
Is it better special effects than Rob Roy falling down the waterfall? <laughs> because that was pretty bad. I think that it beats that out. Are so, you sure? I think so. Are you sure? I mean, it was funny, but like Rob Roy going down the waterfall was just terrible. <laughs> it's just like a blob. A blob that is Richard Todd. <laughs> yeah, I just, every time I think about it, it was, it was so bad. It was so bad. One of those okay. things you can pull to the front of your mind on a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, least favorite character? I don't know. I guess I'd have to go with Nemo just because, like, I know a lot of stuff happened to him, but he's it's kind of a bad dude, and I wish he didn't. I wish he didn't, like, just want to keep all his stuff a secret, and I wish he didn't destroy it all, because, you know, he clearly was a smart guy. He did a lot of research, and mm-hmm. he's a little selfish, but I understand he's damaged. And the least favorite scene, I mean, turtles. <laughs> Let's go back to the go, turtles. Yeah. Go to <laughs> That's it. Yeah. All right. What'd you take away from it? Adventure is out there. That's a good quote. <laughs> um, I also think that like it maybe makes me appreciate the ocean a little bit more. I, to be completely honest, am absolutely terrified of the ocean. So like just the thought of being in a submarine gives me like severe anxiety. I think <laughs> if I were to ever go in a submarine, I would probably just have an anxiety attack like every hour. I don't <laughs> think I could do it. It was hard for me to go on the submarine ride at Disneyland. That's how much it scares me. And that is also why I never rode that ride in Disney World, because the whole idea of being underwater in this, like, weird contraption just did not sit well with little Megan. So (laughs) this is so we never never did that ride. Um, but I think that, you know, just to appreciate, cause you know, I mean, all of these things that Nemo pulled from the ocean to like live life, I mean, literally everything on there came from the ocean. That's pretty amazing. So, and you know, I know that it's, a, it's a fiction story and everything, but like, it could be real. Who knows? Like maybe he really could have made all of those things straight from the ocean and it just like gives you a little bit more of an appreciation for it. I like this food. I like how, like, it sounded so sophisticated, but it was, like, all these nasty things. It's like, so oh, it was, like, filet of sea snake. Braised like, with barnacles. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Those fruits you're eating are actually sea cucumbers. Is it weird that I actually got hungry when he started naming all this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> he started, you know, I was like, I want something like that. <laughs> Do they got a restaurant like that? Not a Red Lobster, but, like, Captain Nemo's. I don't know. Yeah. It know, looks pretty something. good on the table. Right? But you gotta eat it with a knife, not a fork. Yeah, exactly. Like Ned. Yeah. I mean, whale pudding? Come on. (laughs) Classic. Classic. I I also, terrified of the ocean, also don't eat anything from the ocean. So, Mm -hmm. like, that entire trip would have been, like, my worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) I would not have done well on the Nautilus. (laughs) You put those turtles back, Captain Nemo. Yeah. (laughs) You see Megan just sitting in her bunk. What happened to the turtles? (laughs) Hugging Esmeralda. It's okay. okay. (laughs) I would have befriended Esmeralda. That would have been the the bonus of it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
don't know, does anybody have anything different to add about what, like, you took away from it, or? I, it kind of, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I went to college, and now I have a job as an engineer, so it, it's just kind of cool, like, it's kind of inspiring, even though Nemo's kind of a messed up guy, he did achieve some really cool stuff, and yeah. so, like, just the design of the Nautilus, and I don't know, all the how the ship works and the technology and they do a pretty good job of showing it in the, in the movie. Yeah, so they do. Yeah, they it's do. pretty cool. Show it getting to see like, Oh, I don't know. It just kind of gets your imagination going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And inspire you at work where you're designing much less interesting <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I think, I mean, I'm going down a little bit darker path. Everyone else is all like bright and happy. I'm like, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking about Nemo because uh, I mean, he has the most coolest quotes out of the entire movie. Mm-hmm. I really liked that. Um, sure. I just, I, I'm, I really got a picture like personal gain, tragedy, and your own vision, like your own. That just, it doesn't mix. Like it's, you understand where Nemo's coming from. Like you know, he's gone through so much. He lost his family. And then, you know, then he had this vision, you know, like to, you know, start, you know, to escape and to find peace under the sea, you know, and to where there's no, you know, he said no craziness. It's just calm. But you can tell, like, he was a damaged man that actually cracked, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can tell just personal gain and tragedy just don't mix. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what I got from it. Yeah. That's good. I mean... Not good, but good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's Nick's so fault. He got things all awkward and dark. <laughs> so, does anybody have anything else to add before we jump into our Disney memory? I think we covered it. All right. So this week comes from Cindy Kistner. Thank you for phonetically spelling your last name because you know that I can't do a very good job at pronouncing things. Uh, So she says, I've been listening since the beginning. I love this podcast. I haven't rewatched any of the films before the podcast, but I pretty much can recall most of the details of the ones I've seen. I come from a time even before VCRs, so the wonderful world of Disney was only seen for an hour once a week on Sundays at 6 o'clock in the 1970s. Side note, I really like that, like, it's... Clearly, this is an important thing in her life because she remembers, like, everything about it. You know what I mean? That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, This is probably, like, similar to my mom's path of Disney. Yeah. With the wonderful world of Disney. Yeah. We were poor rural folk. Little winky emoji face. (laughs) And we didn't have, we didn't have running water for my elementary years. Important part of the story. This is my most vivid memory of a crisp winter evening going to the bathhouse for our Sunday bath. The bathhouse was heated in a fireplace and the water was filled into the tub from either the well or the snow. Hot water was warmed in a pail on the fireplace and dumped into the tub so we had a warm bath. After the bath, which had to be done before 6 o'clock, we would put on our clean pajamas and wrap in a blanket or towel and head back to the house all clean and fresh and ready for the week. Then Disney. We probably had supper in front of the TV and watched Disney, starting with Tinkerbell flying across the screen and tapping her wand on top of Cinderella's castle. I love the cartoons, everything from Pinocchio, Cinderella, Snow White, and there seemed to have always there seemed to always be sport goofy. <laughs> That's so yeah, those little shorts. <laughs> I remember I remember dreading when the nature ones would come on and we would learn about Ricky the raccoon and his adventures or Bobby the bear. Who's Ricky the raccoon? I don't Do know, we but get I gotta to look meet this him. Up. <laughs> 
Oh. Not Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> What's the squirrel's name? Skippy. Skippy the squirrel, right? <laughs> <laughs> I had a conversation about this with my brother recently when talking about your podcast, and he said those were the original National Geographic films, and Disney did it right. Of course, my Disney life carried on, especially when in u- university, my friend and I dreamed of running away to Disney and hiding out from our lives in a mascot costume, going to Little Mermaid and Aladdin many times, and then watching my nieces enjoy the movies as they grew up. Thank you for your podcast and helping me enjoy these movies again with new friends. Forever a grown-up kid. I'm also forever a grown-up kid. That's very sweet. Thank you, Cindy. I love that we have, like, an eclectic mix of listeners. I love Mm -hmm. it. We have lots of ages. Mm -hmm. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, that's yours. Sorry. Blue is you. (laughs) I always, like, jump to read your part. I'm sorry. It's okay. You just want to be me. I understand. (laughs) Uh, so if you would like to have your Disney memory featured on the show, please email us at grownupkidspodcast at gmail.com. It can be anything Disney related. It doesn't have to do with the parks. It can do with sing-along tapes. Doesn't matter. Uh, send it our way and we will be sure to feature it on a future episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. So a uh, huge shout out and thank you to Brett and Nick for joining us. You guys both brought a lot to this episode and we yeah. couldn't be more thankful for that. Guys are awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, yeah. thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Um, if I could just do one quick shout out yeah. to my it. beautiful lady, my girlfriend Melissa. Of course, I had to do that. Uh, <laughs> and my boss Justin, because I kept on telling them I'm going to be on a podcast, and they said shut up. But I kept going and telling them and telling them I'm going to be on a podcast. I was like a little kid. But the real shout out goes to uh, there's a podcast that my older brother and his friend Bryce. Uh, that they have is called the Nocturnal Disney Podcast. You can find them on Facebook, um, and you can, you know, he has his, you know, you can look him up on uh, iTunes. It's again, it's the Nocturnal Disney Podcast. They talk about uh, the latest Disney park news, uh, the latest Disney movies, but then they also have a the Moment After podcast where they talk about the latest movies that are not Disney. Mm. Overall, they're just three. Uh, you know, 27-year-old dudes just talking about movies. People that love movies, go listen to the podcast. I enjoy it. Uh, I grew up with, oh, obviously, my older brother, Chris, and Bryce, uh, and, the, and their friend, Klein. I haven't met him, but they the podcast is very entertaining. So if you guys want to check it out, please do. Yeah, we'll post it in our show notes, too. So yeah, we'll awesome. find it, or we'll either get it from you, and we'll plug it we'll in post there. the link in there. Yeah. Awesome sauce. Yeah, but seriously, you guys were awesome. Yeah. This reminded me of, like, how much um, was brought to the table with Peter Pan and how much was also brought to the table with Alice in Wonderland. Song of the South. Song like of the some South. Of our, like, yeah, just, like, some ones. stick just, out, like, yeah. you know, in my mind where our listeners and our guests have just, like, I mean... Nailed it. They just took it, did it better than we did, for sure. So <laughs> we super appreciate yeah. and we appreciate your time. Yeah. Hey, and it's great talking about yeah. cool things with cool people. Yeah, we're All excited things. to have you guys back again. So. Yes. Yes. Can't yes. wait. Awesome. All right. So Grown Up Kids can be found on Podbean, iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. Pretty much anywhere you want to find a podcast, we're probably there. So make sure you subscribe so you can be sure to get our latest episode as soon as it's available. 
You can also find us on all of the different social media platforms. We're on Facebook at Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast, and Twitter and Instagram at Grown Up Kids Pod. You can also join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Grown Up Kids Pod to gain access to Extra Magic Hours, our bonus episode podcast. Um, and also, if you head on over to our Facebook discussion group, I have posted a document with our entire list of movies that we're going to be watching with all of the availability that is left to be on the show with us. So if you're interested in joining, make sure that you head on over there and comment on it or send us an email at grownupkidspodcast at gmail.com or send us a Facebook message and I can get you signed up for an episode. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you so much for listening. Make sure to watch Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier, Davey. ahead of... <laughs> next week's episode <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget adults are only kids grown up anyway all who come to this happy place welcome Disneyland is your land here age relives fond memories of the past and here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future <laughs> <laughs>